0: Chapter ten of The Mind the Paint Girl This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. The Mind the Paint Girl by Lewis Tracy. Chapter ten Some Minor Issues About three o'clock in the morning, Colonel Steidolf lounged aimlessly into the foyer. From the distant stage came the soft strains of a waltz. But he had watched the dancers till he was tired, and in sheer weariness of spirit was now seeking the solace of a cigarette. Save for a few waiters, the foyer was empty. But Steidolf noticed that a tall, square-shouldered, red-headed fellow was examining, apparently with an absorbed interest, a lady's bouquet which had been laid on a Chesterfield. On the floor near it lay a forgotten fan, a red rose which had fallen from a lady's corsage and a pocket handkerchief with a powder puff peeping from it. These latter were articles which the waiter might presumably have rescued and placed conspicuously on a table, but he disregarded them completely, and was, in fact, intent on reading a card attached to the bouquet, which was composed of red and white carnations. He had not heard Steidolf's quiet tread on the soft carpet, but looked round promptly when the colonel lit a cigarette, and forthwith affected to busy himself in removing some of the soiled plates and empty glasses. There was nothing particularly striking in the incident, and Steidolf only noted it as one of those trifling things in which a bored man may find momentary relief for his troubled thoughts. Still, he was puzzled. This stalwart attendant with the flaming red hair carried himself with a markedly different air from that of the jerky little Italians who formed Luigi's cohort. There was something vaguely familiar in his aspect, something that suggested the broken-down gentleman. Dash me, muttered the Colonel voce. He has the cut of an army man. At that moment, however, Luigi entered with slaves carrying champagne and wine coolers and trays laden with sandwiches and tumblers. Ain't
1: you dancing, colonel?
0: cried the maitre d'hôtel, familiarly, for Steidolf was an honored patron of Catani's. Dancing? Aye, no, Luigi, my dancing days are over. Oh, I like that, said the Italian, dexterously snipping the wire off a magnum. Why, you used to
1: be a regular slap-up-dancing man when I first knew you, and I bet you ain't 60. Come now.
0: Steidolf smiled and shook his head. He could not explain to the smooth-spoken Italian that lack of desire rather than the advance of age kept him from the frivolities that had lightened the bygone years. What's the hour, Luigi? he asked. I haven't a watch on me. About a quarter to three, Colonel. No later, sighed Steidolf. Oh dear, it's a long night and he subsided onto to a settee in a corner. The music ceased, and a babble of voices came from the corridor. Enid Moncrief, escorted by a man named Henniege, was the first to appear. Close on her heels came Nita Trivana, whose cavalier was another of the boys. Gerald Grimwood, while von Rettenmeier, obviously bored, brought in Mrs. Steidolf. Enid was gushing to Henniege about Ostend.
1: "'Never been there!' she cried. Then, my dear Stewie, you haven't been born. It's the duckiest place. I'm counting the hours to my holiday. I've fixed up rooms at the Hotel de la Plage. Why don't you run over while I'm there? It was as well,
0: perhaps, that Nita's loud protestations drowned her voice. She was not aware that the Baron was so near. I give you my solemn word it was not you, Jerry, Miss Travana was saying.
1: It was that fool Bertie. Anyhow, it's a rotten old frock, and now it will have to go to the rag box.
0: She showed a small rent in her skirt to Enid, laughing gaily the while, doing a little step to display her neat shoes. Mrs. Theidolf, obviously displeased, whispered to the Baron,
1: Well, did you ever? Just fancy.
0: Von Rettenmeier was gazing at Enid, and wondering why Heneage was paying her so much attention. I beg your pardon, he said absentmindedly. Fancy those two girls walking into a room before us! Mrs. Steidolf was inclined to be caddish, but at that moment she discovered the fan. No, oh, I do believe that's mine,' she said, darting for it before the baron could anticipate her. She turned at something he said.
1: "'No, thanks. I'm on a diet. Didn't you notice me at supper? Let us sit.'
0: Then she saw her husband. "'Oh, get up, do!' she cried affectedly. whereupon Steidolf rose with prompt obedience. "'Why aren't you dancing?' If you don't
1: dance, go home and put
0: yourself to bed. You might, for all the good you do here. Steidolf laughed and was moving away, but von Rettenmeier called to him.
1: Blandy of room for you too, Gunnel.
0: No, I won't inconvenience you, said Steidolf placidly, and was making for the door when he came face to face with Farncombe and Lily Peridot. The girl darted forward and seized his arm in her impulsive
1: way. You are not dancing, Colonel Seidolf, she cried. Dance the next with me. I'll make some man retire in your favor. He smiled charmingly, with
0: ready recognition of her youth and beauty. No, no, I'm too old, he protested.
1: Too old for dancing? I should never be too old for that.
0: She seized Gabrielle Cato, who had just entered with Roper, and pulled her to the couch,
1: where reposed the bouquet which had invited the curiosity of the red-headed waiter. Come and sit down, she said. Lord Farncombe will keep on bringing us ices till the music starts again. Gabby, was not that waltz delicious. I say, Lil, murmured Miss Cato languidly, when Farncombe had hurried away to the
0: refreshment counter.
1: How much did you make out of rubber, though, Lau? Rubber? Rubber? I don't know. How much was it, Lau?
0: Four-fifty, said the stockbroker, preening himself. To be regarded as a financial genius was his special weakness. There, there, murmured Gabrielle.
1: People do that kind of thing for you, but poor me never gets a chance.
0: I did my house up with it, said Lily.
1: Gave the job to young Charlie Ramsden, who has gone in for decorating.
0: Yes, and blew the whole lot at one go, complained Roper. Blew it completely, laughed the girl.
1: But what does it matter? Isn't that what money is made for? Oh, Ices, delicious Ices,
0: for Farncombe had appeared at her side with a waiter. The red-headed waiter approached, and offered her a plate of sandwiches, which she declined without looking at him. A crowd of people came in, and Cooling was laughing at something Carlton Smith had said. Ah, 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 he guffawed. Capital chief, first rate, upon my honor, you're in great form. He caught Steidolf's eye and hailed him. Come here, colonel. I want you to hear this, Mrs. Steidolf glanced at the group of men, and a sudden thought seemed to cross her mind, because she turned at once to the Baron.
1: Of course, this is strictly between ourselves,
0: she confided,
1: though I almost hinted as much to Smith, but the fact is, the Pandora isn't in the least what it is, Carl.
0: Nothing is what it is, my dear Dolly, growled von Rettenmeier, who was gazing gloomily at the vivacious Enid. Mrs. Steidall fanned herself coquettishly.
1: I suppose he cannot find the artists. That's it, she said. If you don't have the artists, well, of course you recollect my Polly Taggart and the Merry Milliner, don't you?
0: The Baron stifled on with difficulty. Charming, charming, he murmured. But the lady was not to be put off by these stereotyped adjectives.
1: I hate blowing my own trumpet, she said. "'but I was looking through my press cuttings only yesterday, "'and I have never seen such notices as I had for Polly Taggart.' "'Favorable,' the baron's attention was wandering. "'Favorable!' she cried. "'They made me blush to read them. "'It was stupid of me, but they did make me blush positively. "'And then to give it
0: all up, as I was an idiot enough to do when I married, "'and for a life as dull as ditch
1: water. "'If ever a woman sacrificed herself in this world,' "'but I don't intend to stick to that arrangement. "'If I can't get back into the theatres, well, (laughs) there are the halls. "'I was telling the colonel only this morning.'
0: "'Roper appeared, program in hand. "'The band had just struck up another waltz. "'This is ours, Dolly,' said the little man cheerily, "'and von Rettmeyer rose with alacrity. "'Aha!' he said, bowing magnificently. "'I yield with reluctance!' "'Gabriel Cato.' finding that although there might be room for three on the Chesterfield, there was no place for more than two in the conversation, had betaken herself and her ice to some other people of the foyer, and the two young people, left to themselves, were deep in talk until the opening bars of the music reached them. Farncombe rose and took her plate from Lily, handing it to the red-headed waiter, who happened to be standing quite near. Shall we go down? he said. This is our dance, I think. The girl glanced at the bouquet and seemed to be on the point of saying something. But checked herself, and looked at her programme. Then she frowned, and the guardsman's alert ear caught a little click of annoyance.
1: What is it? he asked anxiously. One, two, three, four, she counted in a low voice. Why this is our fifth dance?
0: Yes, he agreed, seeming quite content with the arrangement.
1: Five out of eight,
0: she protested. Farncombe affected to examine his own programme. And ten, twelve, fourteen are mine, too, he said elatedly. Lily shrugged her shoulders and accepted his arm. Again she looked at the flowers, though her companion failed to notice the direction of her glance so long as it was not intended for some other man.
1: It's awfully unfair, she pouted. Unfair, he cried. Yes, to the others. I can't think what made me so thoughtless. Why, there it is,
0: shrieked Jimmy Birch. Rushing forward to rescue the handkerchief and the puff, which was lying at her friend's feet. Quite candidly, she rubbed the puff, an extremely ragged one, over her nose. There are no friends like the old friends, the constant, tired, and true, she sang.
1: You two off!
0: Yes, said Farncombe politely. Can I do anything for you? Bring me a liquor of petrol and a Lucifer match. He smiled. Fulkerson, who had just swallowed a large whiskey soda, chanced chance to set eyes on her. "'Hi,' he cried, rushing up. "'We're booked. "'This is our valse. Cried de cure.' "'Oh, why don't you go to a night school?' demanded the girl.
1: "'Can't you pronounce French better than that?' "'Vals.
0: "'Clie de clue.' "'This was with withering accuracy, "'but Fulkerson only wagged his head carelessly. "'Very likely,' he said. "'Only wayish good is nothing for me. "'Come along, Jimmy.' Jane, to you, if you please, she said with much dignity. Tosh, he answered.
1: I was christened Jane, Herbert. Well,
0: uh, I wasn't at the
1: christening, see? No, but if you're not more careful of those feet of yours while you're waltzing, you'll be at my funeral. You tore Nita's dress something awful.
0: They went out squabbling, and Edmond Moncrief happened to be left almost alone in the foyer with von Rettenmeier. It was too good an opportunity to be missed, so she inquired anxiously.
1: Well, what did you say to him? The baron was
0: obviously gratified. He had not anticipated so favorable reception. I told him the beast wanted lifting in the second agate, and that he ought to give you another dance, he said eagerly. Yes, but
1: what did he say? She demanded. That he would dink it over.
0: She drew herself up scornfully.
1: That's Smith's
0: invariable answer, the cunning old fox, she
1: pouted. But we're to talk about it later. I am waiting to get him on one side, explained the Baron. "Pooh! you won't get him on one side, you stupid. He'll take precious good care of
0: that. She glanced around, finding that every other member of the party had fled. While Luigi and the waiters were busy with their affairs, took a disconsolate step or two and sighed. (sighs) Ah, <sighs> but it isn't dancing that my mind is dwelling on just now, dear boy. So, inquired von Rittenmeyer, following her.
1: Yes, it's rest I'm yearning for, my holiday, rest for my weary bones. Karl, I'm simply bursting with rage.
0: She made this startling declaration in the most lackadaisical manner imaginable. But the Baron was highly
1: solicitous. What is the matter?
0: he asked anxiously.
1: That wretched hotel at Ostend. The plage. They have the confounded impudence to ask me 125 francs a day for two cubbyholes on the third floor for aunt and myself. Just fancy it.
0: Monsters shrugged von Rettenmeier. But Ostend is... Ostend! And his hands spread deprecatingly.
1: Thanks for the information,
0: said Annanit airily.
1: Is that all the sympathy you can offer?
0: I beg pardon, there may be jeeper hotels, he suggested. And had seated herself gracefully on the convenient arm of a settee and swung a small
1: and pretty foot. Where the common people pay for their beds and meals with coupons. Oh, it doesn't matter. I suppose it'll have to be the Swanage, or some really brisk resort of that description. Well, so be it. Life is made up of disappointments.
0: Von Rettenmeier, too, had seated himself close to her. His usually good-humored face was clouded. In fact, the Baron was calculating. A hundred and twenty-five francs a day, he muttered. Including nothing, absolutely nothing. He bit his nails in thought. Already he had conjured up a distasteful vision of long columns of figures, decked with strange curls and flourishes, and totaling to an appalling sum, Precisely and there's de eating and
1: de drinking One cannot starve, that's certain. Which would a mound do? I believe Aunt and I should manage to feed ourselves on forty francs a day, or fifty, at a pinch.
0: The Baron's face grew longer and longer. Such was his distress that he didn't notice how amusedly the girl was watching him out of the corner of her eye. A hundred and twenty five and fifty. He
1: sighed. Yes, a hundred and seventy-five. Call it two hundred.
0: And she stroked his hair gently with a disengaged hand. Von Rettenmeier leaned back. He liked having his hair stroked. Fifty-six bounds a week, he growled. Sixty in round figures, said Enid. For a fortnight, he inquired, with the air of a man resigned to the worst blow that fate can inflict.
1: "'Oh, no, dear, a fortnight's no use to me,' she said sweetly. "'But one becomes sick of a place after a fortnight,' he urged. "'If you go only for enjoyment, not if you go for a rest, a real rest.' Three weeks, then,'
0: he pleaded. "'A month,' she said firmly. "'Smith gives me the whole of August.' "'Ah, God, a month!' and the baron passed a hand across his forehead frenziedly. Enid, bearing in mind an ancient proverb and the turning of a worm, stooped and carefully picked up a piece of fluff from off her skirt.
1: "'We're losing this dance. Shall we have a
0: turn?' she inquired indifferently. The baron sprang upright. He was breathing heavily, but his face wore the expression of one who had resolved to dare everything. "'Enid,' he almost whispered. "'Yes?' she said guilelessly. Von Rettenmeier's heels clicked, and his bow was deeper than ever. If you would permit me to be your banker during your stay at Ostend, four weeks. Oh, Carl, she broke in. I would be most gratified, he continued. She went up to him alluringly.
1: Carl, I couldn't. It's such an obligation.
0: The words came from her lips, but her eyes spoke differently, and he bowed again. "'On my side,' he said with a magnanimous disregard for the truth. "'Of course,' she went on, evidently regarding the matter as settled. "'I defray my own traveling expenses and tips and incidentals. "'Not a penny of those shall fall on you.' Von Rittenmeyer caught her hand and drew her nearer, but she backed away quickly with a warning gesture, because Colonel slidoff had wandered in once more to smoke a consoling cigarette. The colonel was a kind man and came to her assistance.' Do you know you were losing a very pretty waltz, Miss Moncrief?
1: he said. I was just saying so to the Baron, she cried. Come along, do. It'll be half over.
0: Steidolf retired to his favorite corner, but he was not destined to be left in peace at that moment, because De Castro brought in Gabrielle Cato through another door, and it was quite noticeable that the lady was doleful and the gentleman exceedingly sulky. Ah, Miss Cato, ah, Sam. A pleasant party, eh? cried the colonel. Yes, lisped Castro, in whose face there was thunder. A damned pleasant party, he muttered under his breath as Styloth went out. Well, said his companion,
1: whatever you may think, don't make a scene. Scene? I'm not making a scene. You walked away from me in the middle of a dance and left me standing there staring after you like a serrated child. You're making the scene I'm very sorry, she said,
0: dabbing at her eyes with a lace handkerchief. But the great and only Sam was not to be appeased so readily.
1: I'm just as good a waltzer as anyone here, and better than most,
0: he bleated, waving his arms wildly.
1: If you're tired of me, announce the fact quietly. Don't go and wipe your booth on me in public, because that hurts my pride.
0: Gabrielle twisted her lithe body in a movement expressive of utmost anguish.
1: I can't do more than apologize," she
0: almost sobbed,
1: "and it's the first time I've ever done that to a man."
0: She flung herself hopelessly on a settee, and De Castro, after a sheepish glance or two,
1: grew mollified. "I don't ask it, Gath," I don't ask it," he said. "All I ask is the fair play and decency." "I know I've been rude," said the girl. "But it's owing to my low spirits. I'm so shockingly low spirited." Mine is a strange nature. On the stage, I'm liveliness itself. A perfect little lump of talent, broke
0: in her admirer.
1: I've been telling Carlton, too, persuading him to introduce an electric song for you in Act Two. You have?
0: Miss Cato brightened for an instant, but it was only a passing gleam.
1: Did he promise to think it over?
0: She added gloomily.
1: His exact words. Ha
0: ha! It was astonishing that so pretty a girl could produce such a hollow laugh. She relapsed into melancholy.
1: As I was remarking, she said, "I'm a mass of inconsistency." On the stage, the embodiment of elfin fun.
0: That wath in the mail? Put in De Castro rather maliciously. But she merely nodded. Her sorrows were beyond such pinpricking. In the mail, she agreed listlessly.
1: Off the stage, I'm a sufferer from what's called the artistic temperature. No, temperament.
0: Poor little girl, poor little girl. De Castro patted her shoulder soothingly, yet his sallow, flabby features wore an expression of discomfort rather than of sympathy. Perhaps he guessed what was coming.
1: Sometimes, Sometimes
0: murmured the drooping Gabrielle,
1: I've an idea that if I had a motor car of my own, I should feel easier and happier. What do you mean, motor car of your own? Mine's always at your disposal, isn't it? And Sam's uneasiness
0: grew positively painful. Miss Gato shook her head, a charming little head, which really ought not to be so weighed down by sorrows capable of being assuaged.
1: That's not the thing, she pouted. Whenever I have yours, I'm oppressed by a sense of borrowing. Well, urged De Castro, if I gave you a new car, you'd be oppressed by a sense of not having paid for it, wouldn't you? She considered the point. But dismissed it. At first I should, she said, but not for long. Seeing my family crest on the panels instead of your monogram would help me to forget that you had had anything to do with it. Of course, it'd be only an experiment at the best. It might cheer me up, or it mightn't.
0: The music ceased. Soon the foyer would be full of a chattering crowd, and De Castro felt that he simply could not disassemble at this trying time. He ran a finger around inside his collar to loosen it. Look here, he'd cried
1: in desperation. We'd better discuss this experiment. Let us go and sit in the pit. I can't argue, sighed Gabrielle,
0: rising to accompany him for all
1: that. I really can't argue. My head's far too bad for that.
0: He led her to the landing, meaning to avoid the rush along the corridor.
1: I don't want to argue,
0: he said thickly.
1: I simply want to arrive at an understanding. Suppose I buy you a car. Am I to be made an nice ass of at the next dance that we happen to meet at? Now, yes or no?
0: Fulkerson raced in, but was so intent on reaching the counter where the drinks were served that he failed to note their hurried exit. Hi, wake up there, he shouted to a waiter.
1: Glisodaw Miss Breech on the stage.
0: The man understood him perfectly, but Fulkerson thought he did not.
1: Miss Preach on the stage Glisoda
0: he repeated, pausing as well as he could, after each word.
1: I'll have a whiskey. What's the little whiskey? Which is the whiskey? Tango."
0: Grabbing the bottle indicated by the waiter, he poured a far too liberal quantity of the spirit into a tumbler.
1: You think a soda word, Miss Bridge? He frowned. I'll mix my own whiskey. A little sharp. So the word, Miss Bridge?
0: Gulping down the contents of the glass, he began to sing.
1: Oh, the gals, oh, the gals, I'm awfully fond of the gals. Be they a bon or blonde, of the gals I'm fond. I'm dreadfully fond of the gals.
0: He caught sight of Farncombe and Lily through the glass upper halves of the folding doors and lurched away with an erratic celerity that might hardly be looked for from one in his present condition. But he was afraid of Lily. She might order him home, and he didn't mean to go home just yet. Not for a jolly long time. Why should he? This was life. This was the real thing. Some fellows he knew would willingly have paid hundreds of pounds to have been invited there that night. Go home. Not he. End of chapter 10. Some Minor Issues. Recording by Dylan M. Davis.